Through Robert the Tuna Brass, I'm Carson Sestouli. This is Fangraphs Audio. My guest on this edition of Fangraphs Audio is not making his weekly Monday appearance, and it is not managing editor Dave Cameron. Instead, substituting for Dave Cameron, who has been compelled to tend to family matters, it is editor Jeff Sullivan. It is editor of Fangraphs.com, Jeff Sullivan, on this edition of the program. But as Dave Cameron does uh, every Monday, what Jeff Sullivan does here is to analyze all baseball. Of particular note this week, a thorough but also incomplete analysis of baseball's second trade deadline. We recorded this on August 31st, which is to say after the deal that sent Justin Upton, the Detroit Tigers, to the Los Angeles Angels. But before the deal that sent Justin Verlander, from the Detroit Tigers, to the Houston Astros. To what degree does Upton help the Los Angeles Angels playoff odds? And would that Angels club prefer or not prefer Upton? to exercise the opt-out clause in his contract. These are examples of questions I asked Jeff Sullivan about the Upton trade. We also, apropos of little, examine body types, height, and weight of players, and reveal, I revealed to Jeff Sullivan, for example, which major league player has the body that most resembles the average body of the American man. And here is a hint. It is not an American man, but it is a catcher, because American men have the physiques of catchers. Uh, also on that... Uh, note, Jeff Sullivan delivers one of his classic sobering remarks. It is one of the sobering remarks for which Jeff Sullivan has become famous. You know that old gif of D. Gordon being cradled in some Dodgers teammates' arms in the dugout? That's how much smaller you are than Major League Baseball players. Before we get to this conversation with Jeff Sullivan, uh, it is my obligation to remind everyone that Fangraph's memberships exist for a reasonable sum. Readers can support the great work that appears at Fangraphs.com and... For a slightly less reasonable sum, but still not entirely reasonable, readers can acquire an ad-free membership, which allows one to browse Fangraphs.com without the burden of banner ads, facilitating faster loading speeds, and also liberating one from the distortive effects of advertising. Fangraphs membership, available at Fangraphs.com, as I say. Uh, okay, let us move on now to this conversation. What is it? It is Fangraphs study. Who does it feature? Delightful editor of Fangraphs.com, Jeff Sullivan. And when does it begin? Right now. Very good. It's been a long time. Oh, it, you know what? I'm going to say it too long. Well, uh, people, every so often, if I'm out doing one of those live events, like a celebrity that I am, people mm-hmm. will, uh, they'll come up and be like, hey, uh, I thank you for doing Effectively Wild, but what we really want is why don't you do any more podcasts with Carson? And then what I always have to tell them is, well, it's not really up to me. It's up to Carson. So I took it as a as a reflection of our diminishing friendship. <laughs> no, you well. How many of the how many of the um, effectively wilds you, you do it three a week or something, right? Yeah, three a week. So I figured it's probably you being uh, showing some leniency and not asking me to podcast all the time. Yeah, that's it. Uh, that's definitely it. And also, um, well, of course, we have uh, we have managing editor Dave Cameron making uh, typically making a weekly appearance, mm-hmm. a weekly Monday appearance. We also have um, lead prospect analyst uh, Eric Longenhagen making a fortnightly appearance. Mm-hmm. And likewise, uh, Travis Sochik, the prolific Travis Sochik, a great addition to the site. I think you'd have to agree. Yeah, I well, I wouldn't have to agree, but I do happen to agree. Yeah. Uh, so right. if you're out there, August, nobody misses well, you. Well, I, w- I would say no. That's a good point. <laughs> that's, that's the that's the really the point I was attempting to make. Um, although uh, I do uh, correspond with August sometimes uh, because we are in a we are in the we are in the BBWAA Hardball Dynasty League. 
So that is a fact that you now know. I want to listen. <clears throat> it occurs to me that we're actually speaking on what is effectively the second trade deadline. Isn't that right? Uh, yes. Yeah. Now, because you're taking Cameron's place this week, um, I will force you to answer some questions uh, <laughs> that that relate directly to your profession. Uh huh. Hit me. <clears throat> but 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 not immediately. <laughs> okay, don't um, don't hit me. Wait to wait to hit me. Here's a, here's actually a thing I, I was uh, considering the other day. I recently observed, and then uh, and, and then later uh, <laughs> commented on for the benefit of the public. Um, Rich Hill uh, perform a drag bunt. Uh-huh. Uh huh. For a single, and he is one of only two players, two pitchers this year who has bunted without runners on, uh, without he bunted successfully without runners on base. The other is Julio Urias, his teammate. Um, although I'm not sure they've ever been on the active roster together. No, of course they have. It's ridiculous, Carson. What, what a statement to make. Anyway, um, now first of all, I should say, uh, you will, uh, are a person who's written about pitchers bunting before, in particular one pitcher who is a prolific bunter. Do you remember? Nope. Not even a little bit. Please remind me. A person who oh, was wait. attempted. Is it Andrew Kashner? It is Andrew Kashner, yeah. At one point, I think he had like 14% of his plate appearances or something, he had attempted bunts with no one on base. Um, or I should say perhaps 14% of his plate appearances with no one on base, he had attempted a bunt. And he's actually, he's got good form. It's something that you, um, that you established by means of, uh, you know, Video footage, uh-huh. yeah, uh, but he's not really—he's not playing so much right now. Andrew Kashner, uh-huh. he's certainly not bunting a lot. Anyway, uh, Rich Hill might take his place as best bunting pitcher, <laughs> at least most <laughs> prolific bunting pitcher. But best, uh, here's best, what I, best bunting pitcher for a hit for a, trying for hits. Yeah, specifically. So here's, but here's what I ref, here's what I reflected on watching Rich Hill run down the baseline. He looked out of place. Okay. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> It looked like it looked like someone's dad had joined the game. Mm-hmm. It was like, "Hey guys, can I play too?" And he was like really good for a dad, but he just does not have the same sort of athletic ability as the other people on the team. And then he was safe. And then when he was on first base, like his helmet was at the wrong angle. Do you know what I mean? Uh-huh. It was kind of on, up on his head, like a like a character from Grapes of Wrath. Do you know what I mean? How their hats were always were always sitting back on their head. Um. Well, here's Take what I Take my thought. silence for confirmation that I am. <laughs> here's the question. Here's what occurred to me is he looks like Rich Hill when I see him play. It makes me think I could play. Uh-huh. Right. Now, you look into it. I think Rich Hill is actually a rather tall person. Um, I think he's like 6'5", maybe. <clears throat> um, but what I did was I wanted to get a sense of who, which baseball player has the most average body type. Mm-hmm. Um, now... Would you like? Would you care? Would you care to take a guess at the body type that is that uh, that is possessed by the average American male? I'm talking height. Average. And weight. Okay. Well, uh, height. I'll say five foot nine. And That's exactly weight, right. Weight. I will say six hundred thirty-seven pounds. <laughs> yeah, you got it. <laughs> you got it. Okay. Average That's weight for an American male. I'll say. Uh, I don't know. It's heavier than it two, ought to be. Two twelve. Yeah. Okay. It's less than two twelve. Okay. Uh, it's 190, I think 195.5. This was a study I read from a couple years ago. Though. So I rounded up to 196. Mm-hmm. 6'9", no, 5'9", 196. Uh, and among players, I mean, there are a couple guys who are hovering around it, but um, there are two players in particular 
who meet meet those criteria almost precisely. Uh-huh. Uh huh. At least to the five. Would you care to guess who they are? I mean, it's going to be difficult. I can tell you. I can tell you a, a fact that is may, that maybe will not surprise you is they're both catchers. Okay. Uh, give me. How about how about some more hints? Uh, okay. Uh, they're both members of the American League. Okay. Do they start? One of them does. Okay. I'm just going to keep other asking is one, their the own o- questions. The other is Juan Centeno. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's he's going to start a little more frequently because in hot baseball news, Evan Gaddis is back on the disabled list. Okay, so we're going to do 20 questions, which is good because I only have 15 questions. Does he play for the Orioles? <laughs> Actually, it's kind of thirty questions, though, isn't it? Well, no, no, I guess not. No, you said already. American League. Yeah, it's true. I did. Now, actually, I have to backtrack a little bit. I I don't know if I can firmly establish. No, this guy is the catcher for his team. Yeah. Um, okay, so that makes me think White Sox. <laughs> no, it's actually sadder than that. It's the other Sox. <laughs> it's Christian Vasquez. Oh, okay, average Christian, man. Christian Vasquez and Juan Centeno, as you would immediately extract given their names and, <laughs> and places of birth, are, are the same size as the average American man. Yeah. Okay, um, but Rich Hill has uh, has sort of more of the uh, the average mannerisms, I guess, of the that's American exactly man, right, the average yeah. form. And he has like he's got kind of hips a little bit. He's got a little bit. He's got hips. You know what I'm and, his, and his follow through is weird and sucks. Right, like when he pitches, he doesn't. His pitches, of course, are are majestic. He throws pitches that are quite beautiful, but his yeah. the way that he throws and the way that he finishes is bizarre. He has kind of like a pirouette. He jumps sometimes, but it's it also is yeah. It's a little. There's so many quirks to him that don't. You would never coach a player to throw like that. No, in fact, I think he does. I Maybe mean, most of the things he does, you would not coach. You'd probably coach him if he were, if if you wanted to play this player to be a major leaguer, you would probably coach him to throw harder. <laughs> is one thing. Uh, you would probably uh, ask him not to throw his curveball as often as he throws his fastball. Um, you would probably... Uh, there were a number of other things about which you would advise him. N- don't get blisters all the time. Learn how mm-hmm. to pitch into the sixth inning. Of course, yeah, these are important. Yeah. Uh, but but uh, he's had a strange season. He's had a strange career. Uh, but he's, I think he's, beca- he's among like my top five players easily. Uh-huh. Uh, Rich Hill. So, but I was lo- looking at his body. Yeah, right, I get that. Now, but I, but now here I have another question, though, because I guess I'm interested in the way I'm interested in the way the degree to which. Well, two things. First of all, I'm going to ask you about uh, your height and weight to find out which player to see if you can uh, figure out which player most resembles you. It's Chris Sale. Uh, well, maybe it is. What is your height? Uh, six five. So seventy seven inches. Uh, yeah. Does that sound right? Yeah. Yeah. And what's your weight? Uh, 176. Okay. Which is too low. For that, yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm pretty close to that, actually. And I don't, <laughs> I wouldn't, I don't think I'm a, I don't think I'm a chub. Um, Chris Dale is actually, is actually very much among your, com- he's actually, yeah, one of your direct comps. All right, and left-handed, so there's that. And, that? Uh, and mean. I think he might be mean. <laughs> okay. Um, <clears throat> you have, uh, you have a couple others. Two of them, I believe, are pitchers on the Tampa Bay Rays. Uh-huh. They're all pitchers, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. yeah this is not a powerful build. <laughs> uh, yeah, they're all uh, Ryan Stanek, who I believe is okay. in relief now for the Rays. I know he went to Arkansas. I could tell you that much. Uh-huh. Uh, but he's also he's been up and down this year. Ryan uh-huh. Stanek, uh, Blake Snell. Oh, yeah. 
also northwest from the well i guess he's actually from the northwest whereas i just assumed a location in the northwest but blake snell close yeah. i'll take it uh jacob the ground strikes jacob, jacob the ground yeah yeah he grows a lot more hair than i can anymore and then and then a uh a pitcher in the national system has made three starts and eric, eric fetty fetty yeah yeah uh he uh, if if it's still accurate he might have an era that i could manage yeah, <laughs> it looks like you could. <laughs> yeah, if Chris Hayes, uh, per Eno Saris's, uh research, if MSNBC anchor Chris Hayes can run into 1.8 hits, um, given, well, I don't know, 15 innings in my catch-up to you. In one inning, you might be able to record an ERA uh, below nine. I mean, who doesn't wonder? Who doesn't wonder? Because just if only because of all of the the stuff about batting average and balls in play. Who doesn't think like I could I could get out of an inning? You know, mm-hmm. I'm not going to strike anyone out. Of course, you're not going to strike anyone out, and you'll you'll walk some suckers. But you know, if you just all you need to do is get a get someone who's over eager, gets under the ball. You need someone who uh, who just scores enough, like one of those atom balls. And yeah. You could uh, you can you can manage a. A shutout inning. There are there are position players who have pitched in games, who have thrown softer than I can throw, mm-hmm. who have recorded shutout innings. So I think that I think your chances of getting a shutout inning are certainly more likely than your chances of getting a hit. I would want to face a player where I, where I uh, to pitch in a for one major league inning. I would want to face a player like Rugi Odor, uh-huh. who seems. To his like his internal clock moves so quickly that he's it's almost it, he's, he strikes me as a sort of player who for whom it is almost easier to hit fastballs than it is anything else. I mean, I suppose we get this sort of information is probably borne out by the data. And of course, if you gave him like a day to just face seventy-five mile per hour fastballs, he'd probably he'd probably do all right. But I'm just saying one at bat at the end of a game. That'd be good. I mean, who do you, who who would you most prefer to face? Would it be the worst hitter in the league? You mean Albert Pujols? Oh, that's sad. Mm-hmm. Would it be? Who would it be? Yeah, I mean, who would you would you if you could hand pick? It wouldn't necessarily be like the like the utility man for the worst team in the league, right? No, I wanna I wanna face Joey Votto. I want to face Joey Votto because I I want to I just want to see what that's like from the pitcher's perspective and figure you know what no matter what happens he's perfect so if I can get perfect out mm-hmm. then then and then so be it you know a, a fun little trick if you I don't think that you would ever see a position player at least it would take a while before a position player pitcher got ejected from a game mm-hmm. because I think they get they get the benefit of the doubt for you know not being pitchers and so. If if you had a position player go out there and accidentally quote around the word accidentally hit some guys, that he probably wouldn't get thrown out until he hit like, I don't know how many guys in a row would you have to hit before the umpire was like, okay, clearly, clearly you're doing this on purpose and you're not just the world's most terrible. Well, pitcher. here's a question: Has a pitcher to uh, to your mind, or so far as you can remember, has a pitcher ever been kicked out of a game for throwing a curve for hitting someone with a curveball? Ah, uh, that's a good question. I feel like it must have happened, but I feel like it shouldn't have must have happened. <laughs> I mean, any uh, sort of breaking pitch like, or, or, right. or off-speed pitch. I, get, I think that there are some that are sort of indistinguishable, right? You can have like a fast changeup that nicks a guy in in the butt or something. Yeah, and but he would get a guy tossed. Right. Okay. His argument would always be like that wasn't a fastball, but the umpire the ejection signal is immediate, right? So you can't as soon as the umpire does ejection, he can't rescind his own. 
his own decision. So I don't think if a, if a pitcher hit a guy with like a changeup, then the umpire threw him out because the game was all testy. Uh-huh. And then the pitcher was like, but that was a changeup. I don't think the umpire can be like, then okay, just kidding. You're fine. That's never happened. That's never once happened. If that has happened, nobody yeah, told but me. You, how, uh, how quickly do you think umpires... Do you think umpires don't discern pitch type before... I mean, to what degree do you think they discern pitch type is, I guess, the question I mean. I guess I don't know where umpires start to look for the baseball. I've never umpired, so I don't know if they're watching it all the way out of the hand or if they're just staring straight down or almost straight down. Mm-hmm. So if they are looking just in front of the plate, I don't know how much of the shape of the pitch they're actually getting. I, I Well, yeah. Uh, well, there has to be some... I, th- I feel as though, and of course you, you know more about this than me, but I would say anecdotally from watching how umpires work, there do seem to be occasions where if there's a pitcher who features exceptional break, let's use Rich Hill for example, right? A pitcher like Rich Hill might throw a curveball, which because of its extraordinary horizontal break, at least what appears to be extraordinary horizontal break, mm-hmm. actually, um, actually... Um, ends up in the strike zone. It, it, uh, that might happen, right? Where objectively mm-hmm. it ends up in the strike zone. But because so few pitchers feature such extraordinary uh, horizontal break, once the umpire sees it, if when the umpire sees it out of the hand or halfway to the plate or nearly all the way to the plate, he might, of course, unconsciously remark to himself, no pitch that I've ever seen at this point has then has then become a strike, Right. Mm-hmm. If it's a ball at point X, it's not. It's never a strike at at, at point Y, um, and so they might just call it a ball. Now I feel as though I've seen that, uh, mm-hmm. but 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 um, I don't have any sort of objective uh, objective way of verifying it. You know, it's worth remembering, I guess, that uh, the, in the in the Tigers Yankees game that got out of hand the other day, mm-hmm. uh, David Robertson hit John Hicks right after Dale Batanzas hit James McCann, and David Robertson was not ejected. So clearly there was uh, an umpire review of intent in that situation. I don't remember if it was a fastball or not a fastball, but 0-2 count David Robertson, probably not a fastball. So the umpire uh, decided even under those circumstances that, that that hit by pitch was an accident. So clearly they're using their judgment. No, I didn't see it. Did it look like it was intentional to you, to your mind? Oh, I don't, I don't think that it was intentional. I have not gone back to watch it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the timing would have been bad timing to hit someone, considering Delan Batances had just hit James McCann in the head at 98 miles per hour. And also, given that David Robinson had worked John Hicks to an 0-2 count, that would be a, a silly, a cruel time to hit someone on purpose, Yeah, but a silly time as well. Let me, let me inform you about something. The player mm-hmm. whose body type uh, I share in the major leagues mm-hmm. is was it's surprising to me. Mm-hmm. Is D Gordon? <laughs> <laughs> Don't you think of D Gordon as being like an entirely different human? So you know, you know that old GIF of D Gordon being cradled in some Dodgers teammate's arms in the dugout. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that? Yeah, I do. Yeah, that's how much smaller you are than Major League Baseball players. Yeah, I guess so. Look at that. You got D Gordon, I guess, huh? Yeah, you Ronald Torres didn't work. Uh, no, Ronald Torres, but Ramon Torres is uh, is yeah. the other player besides B. Gordon. <laughs> it's actually just like a fleet of of tweener, like outfield tweeners. I got Gregor uh-huh. Blanco, uh, the forty year old version of Ichiro, <laughs> um, and one of my favorite players, uh, Ildemaro Vargas, who's actually uh, he's in the system. And I also have the same. Here's here's what mystifies me about bodies about these human bodies we have <laughs> is Andrew Benatendi and I 
have almost the exact body type in terms of height and weight. The, what he his he's so much stronger than I am though, <laughs> or at least so much like or at least so much more coordinated. What do you think it is, or is there any distinction uh, between strength and coordination? Yeah, I mean, I guess there are diff- there there are two different words, so there's some distinction to be made. Um, <laughs> but but I mean, is his power? Do you think a result of like phys- his like somehow sheer physicality, or like the the density of his muscles, or is it is it a product uh, just the fact that his wrists are very quick somehow, or, or these well, so very take, coordinated? Take a take the weight that you have. Uh, in your body, mm-hmm. and then remove the weight that is fat weight, and then and then turn it into good weight, which is muscle weight, yeah. and then you can arrive at a equivalent weight, except a a much much stronger, fitter person. Yeah. Uh, so that's uh, that's, that's that's Andrew Benintendi. <laughs> Andrew Ben Andrew Benintendi is Carson Sestulix. If you take out the fat and then you replace it with with muscle, so you would you could conceivably be one of those like uh, those promoted advertisement websites that you see at the bottom of an article yeah, that before. says before and after, yeah. and try this acai berry mm-hmm. trick for thirty days, and these will be your results. And and you can even if you want to do it best, instead of just doing like side by side shirtless pictures of you and Andrew Benintendi, you could have side picture of you <laughs> at your computer, and then on the right you have Andrew Benintendi playing left field for the Red Sox. <laughs> so, so Andrew Benintendi is my after picture. Is that what you're saying? I'm just saying that you, if you stop dreaming, you stop living. Uh, all right. Um, what have I have we? <laughs> what how are we doing on this nonsense? Um, all right, well, yeah, well, we, we've stayed with baseball. We have well for le- longer than usual. Let me ask you. Let me ask you about this uh, Justin Upton trade. I guess it's uh-huh. uh, what it's uh, Justin Upton, of course, the player who has who cleared revocable waivers, and uh, in theory, the Angels were the ones who selected him on revocable waivers, or either he cleared mm-hmm. or the Angels selected him. Do we know? Is that ever announced? Uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know if he cleared. Uh, I didn't. I didn't bother to search, but I'm going to. I'm. I'm gonna guess that he would have cleared. Uh, and that's a guess. But for this to happen at the end of August, I feel like had he been claimed, uh, he would have been put on waivers a lot earlier in the month. Mm-hmm. Probably the and first so I, of. The I month. feel like something. Yeah, probably. If not, the, I know they don't do it all on the first day. But I'm gonna guess that uh, he would have been put on waivers pretty early. Uh, and so then, if he's claimed and nothing's worked out, then then that's it. So I think that he cleared. Okay, <clears throat> Justin Upton f- essentially replaces Cameron Maben in the outfield, right? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I, it, it's strange to me because I I think Cameron Maben is not having a great year, and I think Justin Upton is probably having is is having a, quite a good year. What four wins mm-hmm. or something, right? Mm-hmm. I think yeah. yeah. But you know, all things being equal, like Justin Upton doesn't seem to be that great of an improvement over the last, like, what, 30 games of the season? I mean... Well, uh, if you want to go with the numbers available at Fangraphs.com, which is maybe the easy way out, but just based on the way that things project, uh, the Angels' left fielders... I'm in charge of the team depth chart, so I will receive your criticisms and plaudits (laughs) for the hard work that I've put forward trying to manage that pitching staff. Mm -hmm. But the Angels' left fielders... This morning, when I woke up, projected for 0.1 wins above replacement the rest of the year. And now, with Justin Upton, they're up to 0.6. So, whether uh, you could argue that in either direction, I guess. But still, to be able to gain a projected half win over one month of the season mm-hmm. when you are 
projected for an almost identical record to the Minnesota Twins for the second uh, wild card slot. It seems like to me it actually feels like a a pretty significant improvement. I don't know what it does to the playoff odds. Those haven't updated, but it's probably a difference of five or ten points. Oh, that's very interesting then. So, uh, so what the Angels? It, it, is it strange because the Angels? Is it strange because in just in general the Angels are competitive and they haven't really had an opportunity to make a trade like this? Yeah, I think the the whole second wild card race is interesting because all of the teams are not good. Like one of them will make the playoffs, but none of them deserve it. Mm-hmm. Kind of, you know, it's it's more a matter of being good enough. Where the AL only has a few bad teams, and then they have a few good teams, and then you just have this like clump of I don't know. It's not crap, but it's like just disposable garbage yeah. that's in the middle and and some of that disposable garbage will get to play a one game playoff against probably the New York Yankees who are not disposable garbage and then who knows what could happen in that game you know you just get in the playoffs and even if the Angels were to make the playoffs as one of the five teams in the American League they still have a chance of being the team that that gets out of it and that actually makes it to the World Series you figure they wouldn't have a one in five shot but at worst maybe they'd have a one in ten shot or something of winning the pennant so all they need to do is get to that one game uh justin upton has an opt-out in his contract yes for you say the words (laughs) uh what for 88.5 is that right yeah, four years, eighty-eight and a half million dollars. It's twenty-one point one two five million dollars, twenty-two point one two five million dollars each year for the next four years. So I'm I'm curious, is like, does this work out better for the Angels if Justin Upton does or doesn't opt out of his contract? I'm gonna guess that they more want him to opt out than than not opt out, just because I think teams would like to be free of having that burden and I don't I know the Angels get a lot of surplus value out of the Mike Trout terms because he's so much better than what he's getting paid but this is also a team that has like 30 or 25 or 30 whatever it is million dollars of dead money every year going to Albert Pujols so that kind of reduces their effective payroll and um, now the Angels do have the flexibility they they're losing a lot of players to free agency they're after this year they're going to be done paying Josh Hamilton's salary so they could afford to take Upton on but I don't know if you read or recall David Cameron's post about Justin Upton's opt-out from a week and a half ago. And uh, in case you read it, or if you didn't, I, it really doesn't matter. Have, uh, I'm going to say it anyway. I'm going to say, yeah, it, say it, it. I think it I had maybe not quite returned uh, to Fangraphs.com in a uh, uh-huh. full-time capacity at that point. Yeah. Yeah, I understand. Mm-hmm. You uh, you created life. So yeah. something that yeah. you, now I would you like to end it. Back. What? <laughs> well, the, the question is, it's which life would you like to end? And we'll talk about that later. But in the post, Dave analyzed what Upton might expect to make as a free agent. And what's funny is if you figure he's something in the vicinity of a three-win player, which is what he's been for a while, uh, his, his expected contract is virtually identical to the contract that he is going to have. Mm-hmm. So it's like right on the line. And usually when you... Usually when you think about these opt-out clauses, you have a player get to the opt-out clause and the player is either way better than his commitment or he's like injured and terrible. I don't know if we've run into a situation like this where the player is just like right on it. So I don't know if Upton knows what he's going to do. I can't imagine he knows what he's going to do. I don't think the Angels know what he's going to do. I would think that uh, I don't know where his loyalties lie. I don't know where he would like to play. Uh, he might like to play not in Anaheim, but... 
even if he doesn't opt out, his contract isn't bad, so the Angels could trade him if they wanted to for uh, without probably having to chip in very much money at all. So, I, I, in short, I don't think there's there's a long-term commitment here for anyone. Yeah. Justin Upton has always said, I, I, he is a, uh, I believe, one referred to as a boom or bust player frequently. Even beyond, because, uh-huh. like, I guess what? Like, I mean, a lot of his game, his value is predicated on power, right? So when he's uh-huh. bunching home runs together, he's immensely valuable. And when he's not uh-huh. doing that, he loses much of his value. Uh, but, he see, but he also seems, for some reason, to... To kind of be um, uh, to be greater to have a greater risk reward potential beyond that. He seems to have a number of uh, seasons that are well. Perhaps this is my imagination that are near elite, and then some that are duds. Or perhaps uh, perhaps I'm misremembering, which is something I'm also prone to do. I think uh, Upton is one of those players who hit an early peak in his career. Mm-hmm. And that seems to be a bad thing for players to do because then it sets ex- expectations way too high. And you think of how long Adrian Beltre was chased by the 2004 season he had just because he had the audacity to be amazing when he was like 24 years old. And I think Upton uh, came up and he was really, really good really early. And then, you know, the way that people misevaluate prodigies, they think if you're good when you're young, you'll be even better when you're older. And then right. Yeah, I suppose that that's like not, that's not really true. Well, we tend to use like what like a like a really amazing season by a young player as an anchor, essentially, right? And then you say, mm-hmm. okay, we will now project, or I'll speak for myself. I will now project this player's, you know, um, his aging curve based off of this one season, without perhaps taking into account the fact that that season itself might be an outlier. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's possible he could replicate it in his, you know, if he's 21, he might he might replicate it his age 27 season, but it does not necessarily reflect like like no single season reflects his his true talent at at age 21. Mhm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh you it, it's really hard. I think it, it's still tricky for even us as as quote-unquote analysts to look at a young player who's really good and not just buy into thinking that he's going to stay that good or be better. You think of how even like two months ago, how hard it would have been to imagine Aaron Judge being bad, and then for the last month and a half, he's been a bad baseball player. Like I think I, I haven't looked at the numbers, but Mike Trout might have caught him already in a in season war, even though Mike Trout missed six weeks. I think that we have an inclination and a tendency to want to see the best in players because I don't know why, but I think we like baseball successes more than baseball failures. Mm-hmm. So I think that we are hasty. To uh, to identify young players as having gotten really really good, and in those cases it helps to justify whatever hype we might have put on them before as prospects. To think of how hard we're all trying to make Byron Buxton happen, like any whenever he goes on a hot streak, then we're going to have four articles, including my own, on the website about it, just hoping that he's finally <laughs> achieved his breakout. And probably he's not. <laughs> Usually these frustrating players remain frustrating but with a guy like Upton you figure oh we thought he would be this good and then he just had this six win season I guess he's just ready for a bunch of six win seasons and most players don't do that and this is actually why I think this is why I would think that Mike Trout is actually underrated somebody somebody had the temerity to email us at podcast uh, or effectively wild podcast email and sub, uh, suggested that Mike Trout is overrated and uh, and I just looked at that and thought, no, this one, this one, I have to respond. What's to. a way Mike by Trout is not? What's a method by which you would evaluate how someone is rated at all? 
Okay, so here's what you do. If someone says, Mike Trout is overrated, you say, no, that's not true. That is the method. And it's not true because he, this is his sixth consecutive, like, unbelievable Hall of Fame caliber season. Six in a row. Huh? Six in a row. Could you look at, like, uh, could you do, like, a Google search and see how often he's mentioned in articles? Yeah, I've done that before. Uh, that method sucks, but yeah, it I seems did like, that, like 10, 10 years ago. Yeah, how would you... Yeah, what's the what's the method by which you would uh, regard how someone's rated? Yeah, I don't know. You can't. You, you can't. could you could probably get like Sean Dolinar to do some social analysis, I guess, to mm, yeah. look for mentions or whatnot, and then you can do some sentiment analysis to see if the mentions are good or bad. But even there, you're just analyzing some sort of like Twitter or Facebook bubble, which is not going to give you very much useful data. So I don't... The answer is that you can't, and that's why these articles are always so popular to write and read, because they're not unfalsifiable. You just get to say, hey, this player is overrated, or this player is underrated, and it doesn't mean anything, but they are still... They are still fun. And it's always true about Paul Goldschmidt, even today. Would you use... Yeah. Would you use someone's, uh, like, their average draft position in fantasy baseball? Uh, I, yeah, maybe. I might give a sense. No, what if no, you did it like not, there. What if you You're did it like in, in like the most public of the public Yahoo leagues or something like that? Like not like an. But even the, the problem is that even even if you assume the people in one of those public Yahoo leagues are dumb, they're selecting these players. I'm not, based oh, well, on I'm not saying dumb, I'm saying yeah. casual. Yeah. But in any case, they're selecting those players based on statistical categories that are do not directly reflect skill or value, right? So there's a difference between the batting average home runs, runs, RBI, stolen bases categories, and and actual wins provided. They don't care about defense. They don't care about other elements like reaching base necessarily. So even though there might be correlations between those stats and war, you would still need to find leagues that are drafting based on war, I guess. Okay. Uh, let's. Uh, last thing is I see that uh, Justin Verlander, a, well... Um, like Justin Upton, a member of the Tigers yesterday, unlike Justin Upton, uh, still a member of the Tigers this evening. Oh, give me a panic there. I have not checked the news. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I don't think he's been uh, moved on. Uh, but uh-huh. uh, um, um, but uh, I don't know. Is he is he going to go somewhere? Is he going to go somewhere? Apparently, as of 6.24 uh, it p.m. It sure doesn't feel like it. I think that the difference between... Upton and Verlander is that the Tigers see Verlander as a guy who has a lot of value, and they see Upton as a guy who they would have liked to get rid of, mm-hmm. uh, especially because they thought Upton was going to opt out from staying with them this winter anyway. So I think that even though Verlander has improved his stock over the past six weeks or whatever it is, he's pitching well, he still has the stuff to pitch well, I would think that the Tigers are probably going to wait this one out and revisit in in the offseason, and then at that point... If Verlander has a good September, or a great September, or an outstanding September, I don't know, just a really good September, if he does that and he ends the season well, then I think there will be ample teams who are ready to take a chance on Verlander in the offseason. I just don't think that, I don't think it's going to be a uh, an August deal. I could be wrong by the time this podcast is published, yeah, yeah. but well, it seems well, like it's just too complicated. It will be, uh, we will be able to verify um, the accuracy with which you've assessed this. Uh, I guess last question. Do you have a vote this year? Do I, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I for the BBWA, I have uh, for the second year in a row and the second of the two years I voted. I have the American League Rookie of the Year, which is going to be easy. Uh, oh yeah, I suppose it will be. I mean, it. In fairness, it 
looked more like it was going to be easy when I first found out this is going to be my vote. And since then, I think Aaron Judge has gone over, and he's getting treatment for a shoulder injury. Who's the second-best uh, rookie in the American League? I don't know. I think at the start of the year, I think in all those prediction things, I chose Benintendi as my oh, guess because yeah. I thought he was the uh, the obvious pick, and he's been good. He hasn't been Aaron Judge. Yeah, he's, Aaron Judge could yeah. be terrible for September, and he's still have an outstanding season. Yeah, Andrew Benintendi's good. He's like, yeah, he's a yeah. young player who's been good. He's been worth two wins. That's great. Yeah. I mean, sure, you have to say that because he shares your body type, but we're, he's we're the same. I mean, we're basically the same guy. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to distinguish between us. Don't look too closely. Don't look too closely. I wonder who has Bradley Zimmer's body type. Oh, uh, what is, what's his height and weight situation? You know, actually, it's it's remarkably average relative to his physical gifts. He's 6'4", uh-huh. 185, which I didn't know. I mean, that's pretty close to you. He's a little bit yeah, heavier. I could, uh, I could get there if I uh, if I did some squats. But I think the thing with him, he's a he's got a sort of a Mike Trout neck, uh, but he he distracts with that awful goatee okay. that he does. This is not resonating uh, I don't with me at all. <laughs> What's a... <laughs> okay, well, here's the thing. So I Google searched for, for Bradley Zimmer because I was in the process of looking up his build, but then you said his build, but I'm just looking at pictures, and he's got a he's got the thick trout neck. Because mm-hmm. uh, I was going to say that while Bradley Zimmer might be fairly ordinary by height and weight standards in the major leagues, so that he has a long head. Neck. Does he really have he has a thick does neck? He? Don't, no, I don't think of him as a lean. He's got a thick neck. Oh, you're right. He does have a bit of a thick neck. Yeah, look at that neck. Then there's that thing that he's put. I don't know why he put that on his chin, uh, but it's there, and it, I don't know. Yeah, people it, make it could be gone like at any instant. He could just choose to to lose it. There's pictures here of him in the minor leagues not having it, but I don't know. Maybe it's it, maybe it's not really up to him. Maybe he's just the host body of some sort of goatee infection. Uh, he has unusual um, athleticism, or at least f- uh, straight line speed for someone of his size. Agreed. Uh, very veiny neck. I'm sorry. I'm, lo- I'm looking at pictures of his neck now. I'm zooming in. Well, I, and, I, and actually, neck. allow me to step in and make a correction. He's mm. listed. Here's the thing. Uh, he's listed at Fangraphs.com at six four one eighty five. Mm-hmm. But Bradley Zimmer is listed um, at least by looks like Wikipedia as six five two twenty. And those are two different people. You couldn't get there Lord. overnight, at least. <laughs> Well, uh, we can check Indians.com, and at Indians.com, Bradley Zimmer, again, 6'5", 220. Yeah. So what Fangraphs has is uh, whatever Zimmer was when he was drafted or signed. Yeah, yeah, he's probably he's that, uh, he's got some weight. Yeah. When you have players in the minor leagues, I only found this out a few months ago when someone on Twitter corrected me, but when you have players in the minors or players who are young in the majors, oftentimes you'll have their heights and weights listed as whatever they were when they were like 18 years mm-hmm. old and they came into the system because they're just not updated because nobody cares. And then they come to the major leagues and they gain 50 pounds, and that's Bradley Zimmer. That's interesting. I wonder uh, if you would be able to find, if you were to guess the the biggest increase. Like, you have to, you'd have to find a player who did not play himself out of the league, essentially. Uh-huh. Like, I know for a while Michael Pineda's listed, um, like, height and weight were very clearly wrong because he, ga- cause he uh-huh. gained a lot of weight, I think, um, and because um, he was remarkably thin for a uh-huh. person who's six seven, um, and he gained a lot of weight at one point. But I'm trying to think if you had to guess which player has like gained the most weight, but like before your very eyes, and is still a passable major leaguer. I don't. Okay, so the answer is going to be Rafael Devers, 
Uh, it's going to be that Eventually. in about ten years, okay. I think. Uh, I I feel like he's going to end up. Is he not already kind of stocky? Little, yeah, well, it's, uh, he's 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 got the he's got the indicators, yeah. right? That he could he could end up a little whiny rebate. He's got chubby cheeks, you know. Yeah, he's uh, gotten bigger. Little guy. Uh, Carlos Beltran's uh, definitely gotten bigger. Yeah, Beltran's gotten bigger. You've probably seen. This is the easy answer: is you've maybe seen some of those time lapse photos of Bartolo Colon over the years, yeah. where you know he was a. I I don't know how you can access like old weights mm-hmm. for baseball players. I don't old know if that's available weights, yeah. anywhere. Yeah, it'd be, I wish that you could see that every year. Oh, I don't because I would never do anything with it. But in this specific instance, I wish. Oh, that, I know who I know who looks quite a bit thicker, um, and has actually improved in the meantime. Is Aaron Hicks? Yeah, Aaron oh, Hicks yeah. used to be quite slight of build. And uh, uh-huh. he's kind of thick now, but it uh, has not hurt him. Yeah, and the opposite of that would be Joey Votto, who has slimmed down considerably and looks like uh, he he looks ridiculous. He wears very well, – he doesn't look ridiculous, I'm sorry, but he accentuates, I think, how much weight he's lost. Mm-hmm. He's lost some bulk, hasn't, of course, lost anything from his game, but he wears very tight pants to accentuate how much weight he's I'm lost. Purpose, and yeah. uh, and he, he looks good and he is good. Yeah. Hey. You know, there's there's one player – nope, nope, me – so there's one player on the Indians 40-man roster who has a listed weight that does not end with a zero or five. Hmm. And uh, he's a player who's been there all season long. Uh, we don't need to do a guessing game. There's no way you would know. It's Carlos Carrasco is the only Indians player with a specific weight. Why, why, why would you? I, could, I mean, I see arguments further, but you would think it would be uniform over the course. Yeah. And as you mentioned, I've, if uh, it was a player who was acquired mid-season, perhaps just his data was imported from his last. Organization. Right. Not here. Looks like Joey Votto's got a home run tonight. Yep. <laughs> Nailed just it. Report, just reporting from the front lines <laughs> of my computer. I know uh, a few months ago uh, when I was talking to Ben Lindbergh, we noticed, I forgot which roster it was, but we noticed that there was some MLB.com roster that had uh, a bunch of specific weights, so the numbers were evenly distributed, and it seemed like that team had just, in the process of... Uh, collecting data in spring training just uploaded all of that to the website. So some teams, or at least one team, have shared that information publicly. Uh, so that I could understand. If you had everyone weighed in spring training, which of course does happen, then you just you just port that over to the internet, the old mm-hmm. internet. But why? Why one? So there's two options. Uh, one, there's something weird going on. Or two, all of the Indians actually have weights that end with zero or five, except for Carlos Carrasco. Mm-hmm. It might be why they traded for Jay Bruce. It might be what they like about Austin Jackson. Maybe maybe this is the thing they seek out. Maybe it's selective. Could you calculate, the, could you calculate the, the probability of that? Could yeah. I? No, but somebody could very easily. Hmm. You think Craig Edwards could? Yep. Yeah, I trust sure. that guy. Yeah, I do okay. too. Hey, you still or are we done? Uh, it's not up okay. to me. This He's has been host. great. You've already you've fulfilled your obligation, Jeff Sullivan. Is that true? We didn't even talk about Cameron Mabin and the Astros. Yeah. So. No, no, no. Well, one we, curious point about no, that. There's no reason one curi- to. One curious point about that, though, is that the Houston Astros are, what, one of the two best teams in the majors? Uh-huh. And they acquire, they've acquired an, the outfielder from a team that is, like, desperate to make the very last playoff spot. Mm-hmm. And the... Uh, it's a curious arrangement event. You have to. You. It gives me the sense that the Houston Astros know something. I mean, they know a bunch of stuff, I guess. Well, 
well, yeah, if you, you one is inclined to give the Astros, I think, the benefit of the doubt mm-hmm. in situations like this, and and they could see something in Maven. It's possible they just don't think that Derek Fisher is ready to be a regular left fielder in the majors. But as a as I think about it, I wonder. Maven is a very good base runner, is he not? It's a it's his thing. It's the thing that hasn't waned. And the Astros as a team are not a good base running team. We have them ranked sixth worst in baseball at base running. So I wonder if if Maven is either going to be playing regularly or if they just want him to be sort of a a playoff base running weapon yeah. because they don't have a whole lot uh, aside from Altuve and I guess Marisnik and well they. They, they have some athletes, but in terms of actually converting that into base running value, not a whole lot there. Well, uh, it'll be something that we, we will continue to wonder about and to consider in our in all of our works and days. But for the moment, allow me to say thank you, Jeff Sullivan. Thank you, Carson Sestouli. It has been uh, Fangraphs contributor Jeff Sullivan. I'm Carson Sestouli. This has been Fangraphs Audio. I don't know. Editor? I guess Fangraphs editor. <laughs> Fangraphs contributor. Part-time Fangraphs contributor <laughs> Jeff Sullivan. <laughs> 